Welcome to Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to be continuing to kind of narrow our focus, although we're widening our focus too. We're narrowing and widening uh-huh. simultaneously. We contain multitudes. Uh, this episode's primarily talking about episode seven, the penultimate episode of Sharp Objects uh, entitled Falling. And we're also going to talk a little bit of uh, Hulu's Castle Rock at the end of the podcast. Uh, spoilers for all of them throughout uh, the obvious spoilers of for Sharper Objects up to Episode 7. Spoilers for Castle Rock up to Episode 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't seen the episode just dropping tonight yet. so But I'll be in a bit. We're here to talk about Episode 7 of Sharp Objects falling. Jim, what did you think? Uh, I thought this was the best episode yet. Wow. I mean, I'm not. I, are, are, I, is that is that like a disagreeing? No, I mean, well, or is that? Um, I. So it's interesting because I've seen like Adora as the villain the whole time, mm-hmm. and like there was part of me that was slightly disappointed that like the malevol her her just existing psychological malevolence wasn't enough that she that mm-hmm. she, it turns out that she has to be actually torturing and and killing her own children. Okay. Like, it's, it's, you know what I mean? I, like, I felt like that was a, just the natural follow on to that. Like, yeah. She's so self obsessed. She's right. so, uh, you know, mentally ill that she does this to her children. Yeah. Right. I, I, I felt like it was pretty natural progression. Uh, yeah, you're right. But then again, it's like, you know, because I, I've strongly identified with Adora up to, because I've got a mom who's a narcissist and, but she's never tried to kill me. So like that I, you know of. Have you but, talked to your Aunt Jackie? That's true. I need to talk to my Aunt Jackie and 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 get the real details. But there was yeah. a little bit of that kind of uh, I don't know like uh narcissist hipster. Like I I I was into this before it turned into Manchowson by proxy, but uh-huh. I also was strongly suspecting that we were going to get a little bit of Manchowson by proxy because all the Yeah specific mentions of people being poisoned and actual people mm-hmm. being poisoned and you know uh it it's it's interesting because we've seen Camille and Amma be like this before mm-hmm. and we didn't know the context of it and we also didn't know like I thought this this episode did a really good job of showing like Camille of progressively being like putting things together mm-hmm. and showing how like she always skipped the blue bottle bullshit yeah uh when she was a kid like she had just somehow knew it wasn't and that's pro- maybe maybe one of the reasons Adora's hated her this whole time yeah i i i think back to that conversation they had where she says you could never get close to anyone right and that's why i never loved you right you were uh, never sweet you were never sweet right always and, willful and that's it turns out the thing that saved her life right like she would have been killed by her mother if it not seems like it for the fact that she couldn't get close right and now you wonder also like what would have happened if camille hadn't like if if adora had just killed all of her kids would would she have been found out i, I mean the pattern starts to emerge because even the chief yeah. as slow as he is to put things together at the end is like well, i'm oh, not sick i'm not certain that the chief doesn't already know Hmm. isn't in on it because i'm thinking like okay jackie says who would i tell right Right. i knew but what could i do who would i tell that only really makes sense if the chief is in on it i think and then when he says he's sitting in his car and he says sick i guess i didn't read that as him finally connecting the dots i read that as him going this again oh no Hmm. i don't know i thought he's i thought it was a, a, a dot connector and also you know it's like 
I don't. I think that Adora had that nurse fired because she has pull in the town, and like you mm-hmm. know, she could just end the. I don't know, uh, like like any kind of donations to the hospital in turn in in uh, in, in in turn for this nurse being put away to, to starting nasty gossip and rumors. I, uh-huh. And then like I don't I don't know that like uh, so Jackie's saying who would I turn to? Not only is the chief of police like Twitter pated with with uh, uh, Adora already, but Adora could use her clout and muscle to just kind of like put Jackie as the odd person out. Sure, unless she's arrested. Right, right. I mean, I. Yeah, the, uh, the chief did. ultimately has the power here. Now, whether he can arrest Camille without the town shutting down, or not Camille, uh, Adora without the town yeah. shutting down, I don't know. Well, that's so so interesting, right? Because, like, that's always the thing. Well, the, the, the power is always with the government or the people or whatever, and yet it does seem like powerful moneyed interests mm-hmm. do... 90% of the time, carry the day. It's like every once yeah. in a while they'll piss off the populace so much that there's a general uprising and someone has to go down. I'm thinking, like, mm-hmm. like I, I, Harvey Weinstein, he must think, like, of all the shitbag executives that have raped girls on casting couches, mm-hmm. it's got to be me that goes down. <laughs> right. You know, like, it's got to be surreal to be on the inside, uh... Because it's not just Harvey Weinstein, right? And it's not no. just the, the, but like you know, maybe Adora makes such a big stink that she goes down. But like, look how long she's been getting away with shit like this. Yeah, um, it does seem like Adora might be responsible for everything. I think that's trying to throw us off the trail. Yeah, yeah. One I, last... I really am leaning toward Ashley. Um, there's a lot really? of stuff about biting in this episode. Now, now I will say that Adora is a baby biter. I don't know if you caught Dude, that. Dude, that was fucking creepy flash. as fuck. That it was sure like was. Bram Stoker's Dracula kind of levels of like yeah. shudder that this woman like has this baby in her arms and bites <laughs> it to make it cry so she can go, oh, I have another difficult child. Yeah. Oh. No, it's it's fucked up. But I, I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, all the biting stuff. There's the blood of Natalie's in Ashley's room. I can see Her Ashley ears being been bitten. She's she. I can see Ashley being so pissed off that she's been disfigured by this little girl that she right. kills her. And who? So, so I I really think they're muddying the waters because yeah. and intentionally so because they when John and and Camille are in bed they're talking about Natalie being a biter, right? Mm-hmm. And how. Self-defense. Anne and Natalie would fight Adora uh-huh. every once in a while and gave her stitches one time. Maybe that's a bite. Maybe it's not. Right. Um, it's it's hard to say. Like it. Why? Which one of them between Adora and Ashley would have cause to pull the teeth of the girls? I think Natalie certainly. Or sorry, not Natalie. Ashley certainly would in the moment mm-hmm. if Natalie had bit her in her room mm-hmm. and then caused a bunch of you know bleeding on her floor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because um, we do know that Ashley's ear has been bit, right? They they said that last episode. Oh yeah, at the they house party. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she's so, got a she's got a, a nice nice jaws like chunk out of her ear. Yeah, so I'm thinking, okay, that happens in the heat of the moment, and you kill Natalie, you pull her teeth out. Maybe, maybe. Although, are Anne's teeth pulled out as well? <sighs> yeah, both of the girls. Okay, so here's hmm, here's something that, I've been thinking that's about. That's interesting. Adora's prize floor that no one's allowed to touch to, to a, a touch. Yeah, it's made, made out, out of teeth. Ivory, right? No, it's the teeth of children. It's the teeth of children. Yeah. Um, because because I've I've got this theory that I think Adora obviously is is killing the children that live within her uh, uh, underneath her roof. Obviously, I, I yeah. kind of think Emma is going to be the one that killed these other two girls. 
some more Munchausen by proxy. No, no. And like I think she just, I think she just murdered them, and they pulled. Like I think you're going to find out that in her scale model dollhouse, she has floored the ivory room with human teeth. <laughs> oh my god. That's dark. They keep on like I'm telling you every That's like dark, like yeah. at this point why do they continue to like and why is like what what is she fixated on mm-hmm. on and there's like a little miniature house inside that house. It's like this weird recursion thing and like that, that like they made the big point of like the ivory and like how like that's not even you can't even do that anymore. It's real, you know. We didn't know about elephants going extinct back then. Like I think there <laughs> there is something there is something to that. There is something to the teeth being pulled. And the be. fact you got this miniature house, and I think that what you're going to find out is that Adora was trying because she's in this heroic woman role. She was trying to take these weirdos under her wing like she's done you know like like they made a point of showing that she does around the town and Emma is going to be furious that her mother's dividing attention to these people who are not even trying to be good little girls and she's going to kill them in a fit of pique hmm. and take because also they showed they made a point of showing this extreme overreaction to something not being exactly right a detail not being exactly right in the house like Emma throwing that fit Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm telling you, it's gonna it's gonna come back it's gonna come back to something with the teeth and the ivory. All right, wow, that'd be fucked up. Um, but yeah. Uh, speaking of fucked up, hmm. are we gonna talk about John and Camille? I mean, those are the two scenes to me, like the John and Camille sleeping together scene, mm-hmm. and then the final scene where you find out about Adora. Uh, yeah, I mean, this scene. I, I mean, Richard. Richard in this scene, mm-hmm. he just destroys Camille at the end, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, because, like, I, I did this, like, so many scenes in the show before, I don't feel like the show has an opinion on the rightness or wrongness of something. It's just showing something and letting the audience, like, you know, because like, there's a bunch of things you can say. Number one, uh, how do we feel about a mid-30s woman having sex with an emotionally... Uh, charged, um, grieving 18-year-old who's also so drunk he can barely walk. Mm-hmm. And, like, what would that look like were the roles reversed? What would that look like if we had a, an 18-year-old Ashley and Richard, you know, something? And I, I don't sure. know because I felt like... I felt like this was more about two very specifically damaged people oh, yeah. finding solace in each other than it was about, like, Amy Adams' character grooming john to sexually exploit him mm-hmm. like it didn't feel exploitative um no i i agree with that uh but also like so many other things we've seen camille does i don't think it's praiseworthy nor wise mm-hmm. nor safe nor best for any of their development and it's super unprofessional uh <laughs> Yeah, at the very least. Now, I thought Richard was a little bit on his fucking high horse afterwards because, like, did they, you know, Camille? Like, I always got it that she was just kind of messing around with you. Like, this didn't seem like it was a, a permanent thing going anywhere. Yeah, and you know, I can understand being hurt, and but some of the things he said to her, I thought were was unnecessarily cruel and maybe understandable <laughs> in the moment, but still, like. Uh-huh. You know, you've uncovered all. You've uncovered. I just felt like I, he. It's disappointing me that he didn't have any compassion in that situation because he just found out all this terrible stuff about Camille and how she was raised, and 
you know, all the other things he, he suspects about her. And then he finds evidence that this very damaged woman has done has acted out in very fucked up, damaged ways. And his 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 reaction is shock and outrage. Like, come mm-hmm. on, Richard, you're not you're not a dude to study poetry in boarding school. You're a detective of a major city. You've seen some fucked up shit like yeah. act like you've been there. Right. I mean, that's I guess how I come down on it. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. I mean, I think that's obviously why Camille ends up sleeping with John. Uh, you know, Richard has to go out and do all this fucking investigating on Camille to figure out who the hell she is. Where John intuitively try and, understood. Right, and John sits down with her, has a conversation, and goes, I know you because right. I am you in, right. in a lot of ways. And, I mean, obviously that's the thing that connects them in these scenes, but I think that's something the show is intentionally trying to do is show the difference between a man who can't quite put his his head around Camille mm-hmm. and someone who intuitively understands her. Yeah, and I also think they're suggesting there's a bit of an arrested development situation with, with Cam- Camille, with Camille yeah. because like these, you know, too soon, too intense sexual encounters she had has kind of like stunted her. It's one of the reasons that she so easily slipped into very inappropriate behavior with her sister as far as doing drugs and drinking. And we talked mm-hmm. about how, what's a bad idea is that she is in some ways really still stuck in that rut of her life and, you know, spinning her tires in it. Yeah. And again, I, like I said, this is weird things. Like I'm not condoning anything that's happening. I'm not saying that this <laughs> right. is good ideas. I'm not saying that these, I'm just saying that like, I think at the end of this journey, I'm looking at these people and like, I, I understand it's again, not praiseworthy, not laudable, um, I don't know that I'd, I'd even condemn it either, though. Like, I, I don't know what to make of this because I, I think, like, Camille does need somebody who understands her mm-hmm. um, in order to ever feel comfortable, ever to get close right. to someone. But I don't know that an 18-year-old boy who's drunk yeah. off his ass and may or may not be a murderer. The drunk thing bothers me a hell of a lot more than age yeah. thing. Because, like, if, if seriously, if we're going to get really fucking judgy about a 30-something woman fucking an 18-year-old boy, then we ought to be really judgy about 40s and 50s aged dudes sending off 18-year-olds to war. Like, what... <laughs> okay. Like, like if, sure, you're, yeah. if you're going to send an 18-year-old in a body bag and, and let him uh, smoke tobacco, but not alcohol, like, mm-hmm. I, I think that there is a lot of fucked up ways that we see young adults but like yeah. if you know 18 year olds we've decided society is like beyond reproach like that's when like they're mentally and physically developed enough to do whatever the fuck they want mm-hmm. and make their own decisions good and bad and face adult consequences go sent to the electric chair then they can make choices of who they sleep with and like again mm-hmm. it'd be one thing if amy adams was like doing a lot of inappropriate grooming or like you know taking emotional advantage but it just didn't feel that way to me and i honestly feel like if richard was a dude with scars all over his body and he got raped as a child and ashley was the one who lost her sister i think i'd say the same thing i wouldn't be I like just just because the sexes and genders were reversed my analysis would be the same i'd like to think so anyway yeah but it's the the booze yeah entering the equation no and like they're both kind of at this point because like you've got the idea that like john has been hitting the bottle for like he's an experienced drunk at this point or at least at least he's a rookie of the year right for alcoholic (laughs) and amy's the old pro but like still he was very he 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 was having hard trouble walking straight he was yeah but that that's that's to me more but but the thing is like the whole scene you could say like the word problematic was created to talk about this scene. It's not a crime. It's not something that we should 
burn people at stakes for, but there it's you would be an idiot if you didn't point out all the problems mm. surrounding this: the alcohol, the age, <laughs> the experience, the psycho abuse, the enabling, the codependency. Like it goes pretty deep. And I think the the chief makes the right call in this situation. Look, are you eighteen, kid? Yeah. Are you okay? You are. What do we do with the girl? You leave her there. Like she, they didn't. She has done nothing wrong. Right. Just let her be. Right. Uh, do, do you think it was Amazon? Fuck, I keep getting the names wrong. Camille's intention when she took John to that room to sleep with him, or do you well, think she was just there to let him sleep it off, well, as she claims? I think that here's my because th- a lot of people be like, "Well, I was drunk. I can't be." I think that the things you do when you're drunk tell a lot about what you are okay with happening you know like if like i don't think that she took him there to the hotel room to have sex with him but just like did she fully think through the consequences of taking molly with her sister and getting super drunk and mixing a bunch of drugs at an underage drug teenage sex drug party but could really bad things that have long life-ruining consequences happen there like I, I I just really I really am annoyed with people that think just getting blotto drunk is an excuse to do whatever because you, if you may it's it's like it's like you know taking a gun out of the holster and waving it around like mm-hmm. maybe you didn't intend to shoot people but like why were you waving the gun around if someone gets shot it's still kind of your fault <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm not like I'm not saying that like if someone gets drunk and they get or they're passed out and someone rapes them it's their fault I don't want no, it to be no. construed as that no. I'm saying that. People make bad decisions about when and where they engage in behavior, and that's part of like you know, like if you commit, if you're in, if you cheat on your spouse because you're drunk, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think you can just excuse that by saying I was drunk. Like, well, yeah. why were you drunk in this hotel room alone with someone that you were attracted to? Right. Like, let's back up the decision process. You were responsible for a decision to put you there, so. Uh, but that's a slippery slope to like victim blaming. So, and I think that applies to Camille in this scene because John, you know, when they're leaving the bar, essentially dares her to to right. prove that she's alive or whatever he says. You know, the thing is, is I thought when he asked her to prove me alive, that she would like smile and says, "I think I might have a boyfriend." That would be, I think, this thing that John really needs to hear. Like, it's taken mm-hmm. me a long time, but I actually do think I I see a future where I could be happy, but. It's probably more Camille that she would wad that possibility into a ball and throw it into the trash Mm -hmm. rather than use that as, like, you know, proof to this this boy who's just starting this path that, like, you know, recovery is possible. This is a – I'm not going to tell you this isn't a shit sandwich that you're having to eat, but, like – if with the right amount of help and support, you might be able to find happiness down the line. Because this guy's talking about going in the woods and blowing his head off. Yeah. So – Proving your lie by getting naked and having sex, yeah, I guess that works too. <laughs> and Camille doesn't even, like, when he says, hey, I'm going to go in the woods and blow my head off. Yeah. Camille doesn't go like, eh, that's probably not a solution, or maybe right. you shouldn't do that. Right. That's a little extreme. She's just like, can I hold the gun? Like, yeah. It's, I don't know. Camille is obviously very damaged as well. Do you think, because I think that, and again, I've tried to stay off of, of Reddit and even our forums. I've let my my wife do all the feedback for me. Do you, I, I feel like some people might look at his extensive fantasy about killing the girls as like an O.J. Simpson if I did it situation. I don't find that persuasive at all. I think he is a bright kid who is just giving her what he thinks is a flavor that people are wanting. Mm-hmm. 
Like, and he's making up a bunch, like, you know, he's read a bunch of books, you know, and he knows people's motivation. He knows what people are saying about him, so he's just going to spin a tale. I, it was a little specific, though. The whole, like, oh, yeah, I pull pig teeth all the time, and it feels good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there is some stuff that was oddly specific to the experience, but I didn't find it. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he killed any of those girls. No, I don't, I don't either. I think he's telling the truth uh, in the second part of that, where he says, I didn't kill her. Right, right. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Oh, I mean, the end of that scene, like the people, people really buy it. Your sad story, but oh, really, you're, but just, you're a just a drunk, drunk and, a slut. and a slut. That's that's man, Richard. I, I, their relationship is over. Yes. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, from Richard's side of the street, I think it should be hmm. like, I, I don't know, like, what what does he see as the future here, and why would he pursue this at this point? I mean, that's a fair question, but, like, what's changed? Like, I, I think, I don't know, man, I don't know. I've I've certainly been... I don't ri- view him as fucked up. Like, no, but I, I've certain... But, but I think, I don't know, because, like, I guess if I'm really real, I've certainly been the guy who sees a damaged woman and wants to save her. Okay. Um, and I wouldn't have thought of myself as damaged, but clearly, uh, looking back at my life, I had a lot of damage and that's probably like, I was trying to seek that like very romantic concept of like two pieces, two, two puzzles with missing pieces and they complete each other and all that other (laughs) stupid shit that Uh we see in books and songs and movies. And, uh, if you're uh, like, so like if he has that impulse of like you know being that white knight and crusader would this necessarily put him off or is he going to go back to his hotel room and think about like well you know look look at these medical records look how much shit she went through look at her mother look at the town and how they see sexual relationships and men and women like what was i thinking what happened when i signed up for this and talk himself back into it and but the thing is is uh from camille's perspective he said a lot of heinous shit he did that's yeah. not fair and wasn't warranted no he tried to burn her to the ground <laughs> like like that's the kind of shit you say if you'd been in a relationship for two years and you were really committed and you know yeah and and then this person slid back and that got reasonable healthy and then backslid back into it you're not you're not taking a person who's actively in addiction and recovery and then be shocked that they slid they had a back you know slid back yeah i guess i'm i've the way i'm reading richard's sort of investigation of camille is not one of like i need to save this damaged person but more of just that an investigation like what am i getting myself into here because it did feel very like he said it felt very quid pro quo like he was stroking her off to try to find out what she knew and he yeah. she was stroking him off to try to find out what she knew and like he said i could have just fucked john i'm a good looking guy i could have like uh-huh. there i i think i mean there's a reason we said this relationship was a bad idea right absolutely this yeah. was the reason this i you know we didn't know this was going to happen yeah, yeah. but it's just the result of those it reasons. was easily yeah. foreseeable that something like this would happen mm-hmm. and i just don't see a reason for him to go back to that I, I never felt that inclination from his side to fix that broken girl. Well, but I don't understand. I don't. I, I'll throw it back. To, I don't understand Camille's instinct to try to like don't go, don't go, and like you know this yeah. like uh-huh. really sad attempt at a blowjob and like getting him back, like connecting sexually with him. Like, but I think she's I used to not 
she's used to being the one that everyone likes you know like right. the and popular like even if they don't like her for the right reasons or they don't like know Amos who said. she really is yeah yeah i i it's it boys are easy just let them do things to you uh-huh. and then they'll not and and you know to see her regress like that was pretty painful but yeah. you know they both neither one of them are self-aware enough to be handling what's going on in these relationships <laughs> so yeah i don't know like what what would bring him back i guess a pity pity mm-hmm. might the fact that like you know like i said he's aware more than ever of all the things that shaped her up to be and like would he really do better and also like what kind of relationship did we really have and you know this i, I it's it's if can a guy look past infidelity of course uh, will he i don't know yeah i hope that the thing that i really hope is that he doesn't end up like saving the day and that kind of is the start of like a brand new day type relationship yeah, so let's talk about if, if 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 Camille survives. I hope it's like driving off into the sunset back to St. Louis alone and thinking that I have beat one demon. Maybe I can beat others. I don't mm. really want you know R- Richard there, or especially John there. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, so you, you talked about him potentially saving the day at the end of this episode. There's kind of what we think is a converging you know, collision course uh, at Adora's house, which is fitting. I think, you know, this being kind of the nexus for the finale yeah. is really cool. Um, what are so all this... leading up to that, yeah, like yeah. this meeting with Jackie uh-huh. where Camille goes over and drinks, drinks her bloodies. Uh, I, I felt like this was like, this, this was really cool because Camille is putting things together that don't, exactly fit it's like Mm. it's like a puzzle that has maybe a couple of nubs carved off one of the pieces Mm -hmm. and you can tell that they fit there yeah but you can't see it exactly and over the course of this conversation she's kind of piecing those things together and you know by the end of it jackie all but admits Mm -hmm. hey i knew and and was aiding and abetting she was killing you know her daughters and would have killed you too that that kind of thing i and that sends, you know, Camille spiraling off, calling Curry, uh, Frank, I think is his name, mm-hmm. uh, which he realizes what a fucking colossal mistake he's made here. Right. <laughs> Leaving her there. Uh, although I don't, I don't know that he, he gets what he deserves in this episode. No. What, what, do you think that there was hints to like what started this thing? Because I, I thought that there was maybe something telling in, because I don't know when Amma started poisoning her girls. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like it, with when she's um, biting babies with Amma, it started almost right away. Okay, but like I wonder if there's a hint where they show like a younger, short-haired version of Camille watching Jackie and her mom dance on the porch. Mm-hmm. And then Camille comes out and, like, Jackie instantly kind of, like, embraces her and starts dancing with her. And, like, there's, like, literally their backs are turned to Adora and Adora's looking at them, like, angry. Like, when Adora first started getting older and, like, her girlfriends start, you know, like, like and, and, and Camille started interacting with her girlfriends, was that when the poisoning started? Like, subconsciously... Could be. You know, like, I know that, like, she, like, you know, never liked Camille because there's difficulty in nursing and the fact that her mother, like, there's all that. Cause, but, like, when did the poisoning act actually start? Because it seems like it, 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 it started very early with Amma, mm-hmm. but also it seems like, uh, it, it seems like when we've looked at Marion, and Marion is relatively healthy, and then she had a decline, a slow decline of her health, and that happened over, like, a couple of months, maybe a year. Right. And, 
they did show that scene with her and Jackie and Adora on that front porch. I'm, I, I think that might have been like the incident that started it all. It could be because yeah. like aren't aren't we thinking that that was Camille like a freshman in high school and long haired Camille is like junior senior in high school. Mm, I. I guess I don't know. Because I had a bunch of theories that I think are all wrong about the hair length and that corresponding to her being raped by the high school team. And, and I, I feel yeah. like that. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But uh, I yeah. couldn't tell you the exact age. I'm actually surprised Emma is as healthy as she is for all the shit that Camille. Like, she had to have a gastrointestinal yeah. tube. Did you also see, uh, if you freeze, freeze frame the, the medical report, there was a paternity test on Emma. Oh, was there? Yeah. Okay, is this back on the Camille Zama's mom train? That is, I that's one thing. But also now that we've got the chief perhaps having uh. a long history of indiscretions, like maybe Alan de- demanded to print a paternity test to make sure it wasn't a vicar instead of a uh-huh. could be a preaker or whatever. Yeah, that's the other thing. Alan connects the dots or always knew. Yeah, and, that's and- man. Alan is a real fucking piece of shit after this episode. Because like he's, did he always know? I think he. I mean, that's what that. That's to me what the the cinematography, the editing, yeah. the music was telling me that okay. like he feels powerless to resist Adora in any way, even when like he clearly loves these girls mm-hmm. and she's taking him from the she's taking them from him, and yet all he can do is listen to records and cry, but. Yeah. You know, this storm front that's coming at the end is really interesting because you got Ammo looking like a vengeful fucking wood sprite out of, like, a really dark Shakespeare play. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on there. You got Adora who, you know, needs to die. You got I, I mean, it looks like Emma is going to the roof to jump off. Hmm, Because that dollhouse thing, right? Yeah. Isn't that Emma on top of the roof? That would be interesting When Camille reaches for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's happening here. Uh, you got Alan that might finally raise up against her. You've got Camille heading back home with, you know, a clear focus of what she needs to do. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Chief Vickers, who I think finally has gotten an understanding of Adora. And then, I don't know, Willis is out there in the wind. But you've got at least five very powerful personalities all going to set on a collision course. Um, and why I just think this like this cliffhanger at the end of this episode is so remarkable because it just sets up the storm of the century that's going to rage all next episode, apparently. Yeah. And it's interesting how the finale seems to be more about, and I think this is appropriate, more about the things that are happening within the Preaker family mm-hmm. as opposed to the killing of the two girls, right? That, that kind of started this story. Yeah. It's all you know everything's coming home to roost right and i do think that there's no way that adora slash amma are not involved in those girls death because they also i mean this uh, so we cannot rely on camille's imagination seeing her mom as the mother in white beckoning definitely not and they've made it a point that like every one of these women has been the woman in white at some point you know amma's had the diaphanous gowns on adora has even Mm -hmm. even camille they've Mm -hmm. all taken turns being the woman in white so i mean i'm not saying camille like camille is has not killed anybody (laughs) no i don't think so um but i don't i hmm has Camille, like, is that, there's no way. There's no way I there's going to be don't. some kind of crazy ass. I, I mean, I, I don't even think you can argue that she killed Alice. Alice killed herself. Yeah. Because of maybe some of the things that Camille told her. But Yeah, but that's yeah, like, she's not you, killed you can't, anybody. you can't pin that on her. No. Okay, I agree. I agree. So, 
but I, I do think yeah my current theory is Adora killed her daughters and is trying to kill Amma and Amma has because man there's just so much weird psychology here um you know the whole like Amma saying I like it when the best part about being wasted is mama taking care of me and I want mama and she wants me like this like mm-hmm. and she there's this interesting bargaining where she tries to break the like why don't you just grill me like like something that would be age appropriate like grill me a, a, a cheese sandwich and make me some tomato soup and let me sleep and dote on me that way don't do this ritual medicine because like I think at some levels Ammon knows that this stuff like like fucks her up like I think it's not just like what I, I don't know what yellow shit she's grinding up and been there, but I think part of it's narcotic, part of it is like some kind of caustic shit that's wrecking her insides. When she was throwing up, is she throwing up her stomach lining? I don't know, man. It, there wasn't I, any blood there, but like fuck, I was like, didn't you know, seem good. the woman throwing up Drano was like throwing up big meaty chunks of herself. Like, yeah. is this like, are you supposed to understand this is a? But, I think but, it's supposed to evoke that, yeah. But it's so tragic because like. That's the fucking thing with Adora is like Emma wants Adora, but she wants a normal version of that relationship. But Adora is like all or nothing. Like, well, if you're rejecting me in this very specific way, then I'm going to take all of the affection and go home. Mm-hmm. And it's all bound up in the house too, which is interesting. Yeah, like I'm surprised Emma didn't be like, take the fucking house. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm I'm 15 years old. I'm fucking boys. I'm doing mauling. I'm roller skating. Uh, and I'm doing it all. I'm reenacting a Confederate rape. Like, you take this draw house and shove it up your ass. But yeah. whatever thing that Camille has, where she just finds it easy to defy her mother, like, like can dig deep and just openly defy. It doesn't seem like Emma's got. Yeah, um, and I guess maybe the catalyst for that within Camille was her sister's death. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that Emma doesn't have, uh, as far as Camille. Uh, comparing her to Camille is that event in her yeah. life. Who painted the girl's fingernails? Uh, it could certainly be Adora. So is that something like Amma kills him and she discovers it and she does something like caretaking? To, like, I, or do you think do you, do you, do you, who who do you think killed the girls? Adora or Amma? Or now you, you're on the I feel you're like on it's Ashley. Ashley. I, I I feel like it's Ashley, but Ashley doesn't it, paint the fingernails though. Yeah, probably. So how does Adora not. get involved in there? I don't know. I I mean if. The only way I see the fingernails getting painted, honestly, is if Adora is killing them herself mm-hmm. and then making them up to look nice to be, you know, her right. little girls. But what, then she pulls her their teeth out. Yeah, that's so something that doesn't quite <laughs> like that feels more of an Amma thing. And I, I, I got my dollhouse ivory teeth theory, but like it's almost like it's something that Adora finds because because. The psychology of a woman who openly mourns the daughter that she killed. And I think there's also something chilling in the way she, like, as she's poisoning Amma. Like, I, f- I felt like in Adora's head that her her perfect day would be her to poison both of her children to death. Because mm-hmm. she tried to do it with Camille. She did, yeah. Right? And she's also laying out, you know, the dress and the bed, like, you know, the shrine's getting all fixed up. And, like, I, there's something really weird about... I mean, at some level, she's both doing his manchowson by proxy, but in denial about it, right? I guess that's, like, part of the core psychology. You have to be, or it wouldn't work. Yeah. 
if you knew you were in age and engaging in this thing, then you couldn't ever, or maybe that's the psychology that it's, you, you never get the love, you, you never get to feel the love and affection that people are trying to give to you because you know, you don't deserve it. Could be. I don't know. Uh, I, in, in retrospect, knowing that she killed Marion, uh, that shrine that she keeps of Marion's room mm-hmm. is extra fucked up. Yeah. Because it's essentially like her sympathy card forever, right? Like now she no longer has to take care of this child. She no longer has the worry that her child is going to defy her and embarrass her. Uh, she doesn't have to deal with any of that shit. Now she's got the constant reminder mm-hmm. for everyone around her of what a terrible thing happened to her, right? She lost her dog. She can play that sympathy card anytime she wants. She doesn't have to feed it, clothe it, or love it. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up. Yeah. And she would have had two of those rooms Man. if she got Camille. Um, What did you make of Camille's conversation with Curry, the editors, whose name I finally yeah. ma- ma- managed to learn? Because it was on her phone. That's the only reason <laughs> I saw it. I want to talk. Um, It's so funny to me that now that the mm-hmm. damage is done that he's like oh we gotta get you home yeah, kid no, fuck this guy like this fuck is all this too little too late uh-huh uh, he pushed her and pushed her and pushed her and this is the result right right live with that like for, even, as, for as long as you live yeah like even as up the last episode he like uh-huh. all this stuff i mean yeah all of this stuff was easy to determine but like last episode it seemed like it was really egregious that that he was still pushing her to get that story and oh i'm proud of you kid and you're gonna yeah like I, I, I felt like it was so hollow to be like, well, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get you home. And you're gonna, and it's almost like the way it was phrased. I felt like it didn't seem genuine. Hmm. Like it's one of those things where, like, you know, you, 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 you offer them a way out, but you've, you've definitely couched the relationship in such a way that taking the out would be cowardly. Yeah. So it's like very much like the drill instructor, your your Navy SEAL instructor telling you to ring the bell. Hey, come yeah. on, man. Just ring the bell. It'll be over. Yeah, give up. Like that's – that's it, it, it doesn't seem like a supportive or like a caring thing. It seems more of like a challenge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at this point I don't think uh, – you know, Camille didn't do a very good job articulating what's going on here. Um, but she feels like she's got <laughs> to put a stop to this, this bullshit that's going on in Wind Gap once and for all. Yeah. No, it's going to be real interesting next episode. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I uh, what else do we do? We want to talk about? I think that's about it. Um, kind of covered all the the highlights of this episode. Right. There is a lot of interesting, like you know, stuff that continues the kind of thesis of the show. Like, um, I thought it was interesting, like the Chief Vickers comment about when he went to tell um, Richard about, you know, flipping Ashley, it's like, yeah, his woman turned against him. There must be something in the water here. It's like, they all want to, <laughs> they all want to be famous in this. God forbid if you're ordinary, he's talking about himself here. Hmm. Like, like okay. this, he, as an ordinary man, whatever the hell that means, he's the chief of police. He's uh, at, like, never had a chance with his true love, Adora. And mm-hmm. I don't know. There's something really crazy about that. I also love the the girls' like casual remark about "Don't be sexist, chief," because <laughs> right. I, again, the you know these the, the the reason these women are getting away with this stuff over generations is because no one can suspect them of actually doing something. Like they can yeah. they can do woman mischief, like right. backstab and lie and cheat and manipulate. Gossip. 
but they're not going to murder people, <laughs> right. much less multi-generational murders. And they're not going to drunk drive and kill girls who are roller skating in the street. Right, 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 right. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be a man that does something to a cute little girl like you. Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of uh, interesting. And um, you think, I, I re- you think Camille's going to run over those girls? No. They've kind of thrown like a couple of Dude, no, breadcrumbs to that. But. There's certainly been a lot of, but I feel like she's now at the mansion. Like I, I, yeah. I almost think that next episode could be a bottle episode. Just happens in the mansion, yeah. Yeah, because like Camille just doesn't come and like do some kind of army of darkness thing where she fires up a chainsaw and her boomstick and <laughs> although that would be like, pretty takes awesome. out a demonic version of Alan and Adora and Emma. <laughs> like it's there's like what does she do? She's going to run up here and be like. You're poisoning Emma, just like you yeah. poisoned my sister. Like, how does that go down? And Alan the whole time is like, oh, Camille, this really, uh, you know, you've parked on the petunias one, one too many times. Like, how does this go down? I, I think Alan is going to turn on Adora in that episode. Hmm. I do, because it's I... It's going to be a Darth Vader Palpatine kind of thing. <laughs> he's going to throw her off the roof, yeah. Right, like she's pouring the blue down their throats. <laughs> uh-huh. He's going to look at the bottle to her, the bottle to her, and then... <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I do think he's going to turn. I think he's going to finally have had enough because um, he's thinking about you know Emma in in these scenes right and how she's doing it again can he really go through that again and then when Camille shows up and starts confronting her and Richard shows up and Chief Vicker shows up I mean shit's gonna hit the fan and Alan's gonna have to choose a side and I think he's coming down on the side of right hmm. finally it's been w- way too long coming but I think that's where he's gonna end up do you think this is one, uh, one other um, point I had in my notes, which is Detective Willis didn't tell Camille about the rest of John. How much of that contributed to Camille deciding to have sex with John? Because she felt a little betrayed hmm. that, like, it's one thing for her, her mother to keep shit from her, but, like, the whole point of this lover that she had was to keep them, and, and the first big thing that happens in the case, and he keeps it to himself. Yeah. Um... Because he definitely found out, he definitely found out before, like at the same time the chief did, right? Because the chief let him know, right? Because like we uh, found out a lot ep- last think... episode that the the yeah, the, the, the witness yeah, he told him last yeah last like episode. saw that John is the one that dumped it in there yeah, and that seems like it's another interesting thing is like the chief is like super cool about using a bullshit witness to arrive at the result that they right. wanted mm-hmm. this is very Mon- manitow county kind of shenanigans going on here i got i got one more thing we got to make a prediction before next episode does okay. camille make it out alive i think she does hmm. i don't okay. think i think of the three women she might be the only one or maybe her and Emma. I'm, I'm starting to think you're right because i i, I look at what happens with Emma this episode and i'm going Emma's probably gonna go to the roof and try and kill herself mm-hmm. uh Adora is going to be under arrest. How many people can in that family can they bring down? Right, and and, and, and like, have the audience yeah. feel okay about how this whole thing went? Yeah, like is this going to be a Braveheart situation where all the heroes just get right. ritually disemboweled and beheaded and everything? Except they, the, the thing in Braveheart love. is like we know that that actually spurred some change. Yeah, they tack here, on it would the Robert the Bruce fucked. pulling his head out of his ass and actually right. you know, getting about free in the Scots. But yeah, this would just be, be for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it would suck. Uh, and I'm I'm not saying they won't go that way, but it's looking more and more like Camille might make it out and everyone else won't. Yeah, I'm thinking that because even... Oh, man. But, but man, how do you fucking react to this? Like, 
A, a woman is damaged, as Camille already is, finds out that her mother was killing her sister and tried to kill her. I mean, there's no justice. You, you can't. Yeah, you're not going to get justice for that. And how do you how do you survive, as she would say that? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So, like, I mean, <laughs> there's also the, you, yeah. the saving her baby sister from the same fate. Like, uh-huh. you could feel like, hey, you know what? Like anytime, like I guess I would try to use that as anti-suicide fuel. Like anytime I felt like blowing my head off, it's like, well, imagine if I did that when I was twenty, my little baby right. sister would have been poisoned to death. Mm-hmm. Like I had a absolutely positive effect on this one aspect of the life, you know. But I will say, going into the the final scene of this episode, she is as distraught as we've ever seen her. No, that's the thing. Like, she is um, seriously emotionally compromised. Like, yeah. Uh, that's why I wonder if this is going to be like a bottle type episode. Like, what kind of crazy ass shit's going to go down in that mansion? I don't know, man. I don't know either. I want to see it though. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't know. Um, we should. Uh, I'm going to have a, a watch party with grilled cheese sandwiches, <laughs> Bloody Marys, alcoholic uh-huh. iced tea. What's the other? Uh, oh, wear your roller skates. Why? Why does Camille take any of these pills that Jackie offers her? I don't. She, she doesn't know what they're going to do, and they're probably going to do nothing. Like, yeah. they're probably going to raise some fucking level of whatever in her bowels or something. Like, yeah. they're not going to fuck you up in the way that you want them to fuck you up. No, I don't. Because I... I, I think it, it goes into the whole thing where, you know, she says, hey, I'm asking you to drink the Bloody Mary. You hate it, but you're drinking it. I think that's also what she's doing with the pills. Yeah, she's trying like to... you have no reason to take these pills, no. but I asked you to, and so you did. Yeah, and I, I almost like... Uh, it was her trying to draw a connection between what her mother was doing yeah. somehow that yeah. was into it, but also Camille just seems like she has a hard time not put downing whatever someone puts in front of her. That too, yeah. Which is kind of amazing that she actually... It's almost her, it's her sheer personal antipathy towards her mom and manipulation that allowed her to, you know, not take that blue potion, man. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was a really good scene too, where she made the connection like of her rejecting this as a preteen and her as an adult, like you know, Dora, like really, like, this felt dangerous. Like this is something I got to get 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 out of. Um, yeah, and it looks like Adora was trying to kill her again. That's what I'm saying. Like I think Adora's an perfect day would have been both of her daughters die at the same time. Oh fuck! Imagine. I mean, that's just because like Adora's just fucking sympathy, bark right? at the moon crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like, and there, but the thing is, is it wouldn't. Like, she would no, definitely she'd be, be found out. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's a, that's what I'm saying. Like, there is no justice to be found here. Like, no. even if uh, Adora dies violently, that, I mean, that's. It doesn't bring back Marion. It's like that stupid movie I was talking about where the Nazis saying, like, oh, one man's life against six billion. Even you say, it's like, okay, well, it's a good start. But, yeah, it's not justice. It's not going to be justice. Yeah. Like, the, the, the evil. And, and also, it's also not justice because Adora was a product of abuse herself. Mm-hmm. And, like, how many fucking generations, like, apparently they can trace their name back to the Calhouns, like, was this whole thing started when a bunch of Yankees raped their great great grandmother? Yeah, over some cotton picking, slave holding, heinous shit. Like I, I mean, it's it's uh, what what chance did, did any of them have? You know, mm-hmm. like you can't survive. You you can you can just survive and escape, but you're never going to get what anyone would call real justice. So, uh, 
do you want to talk about yeah we should get to the feedback before we start talking about castle rock hey before we uh dive right into further coverage of sharp things sharp objects <laughs> stranger stranger sharp images things, <laughs> uh we want to talk about what we're doing here at baldmove.com just in general uh you know uh better call saul is back in season four full swing uh we are doing something just like our westworld coverage we're doing the instant talk podcast if you're a club member uh, don't forget you can show up on Monday nights after the Eastern time zone airing to get on the chat and live discuss your thoughts and opinions of the show with us. Uh, we are barreling through Game of Thrones Season 3, which is, man, one of the best, if not the best, seasons of Game of Thrones. It's been highly enjoyable. Uh, we also are back on our commission podcast grind. We just took care of Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Uh, we did a, a, a potpourri podcast of several episodes of that uh next week we're going to be discussing the classic a few good men uh, uh which will be out next week and then also we've got a format change that we're doing to our twitch coverage we're still at 4 p.m eastern standard time on tuesdays and thursdays uh, on twitch.tv slash bald move but instead of playing video games we're doing live watches of we're working our way through kind of like classic 80s and 90s entertainment last week we did tremors uh we're about to do uh flight of the navigator the 80s science fiction show uh thursday jim's curating cloak and dagger a classic 80s adventure film uh these are uh, archived on twitch.tv slash bald move for two weeks and then they become exclusive club content that you have to get on the website but if you've never seen a uh, live watch it's jim and i getting a movie out and we have a way to synchronize your watch along uh, with our screen and we just Talk about what's interesting, what's funny. We make jokes. It's a good time. Uh, come and hang out with us. Twitch.tv slash baldmove on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Okay. Uh, as is our want, the first few pieces of feedback sent to TV at baldmove.com. Uh, I was about the previous episode. Then we'll get up to the new stuff. Dominic T. Uh, regarding Camille's hair length, if her sister really was sick, possibly cancer, could she have cut her hair for a wig? Cut is that something they did back in the 80s? Like so the are you saying that Camille love? is wearing Marion's hair in those scenes? Is that what the listener is suggesting? I think that the, uh, what the suggestion would be would be that uh, uh, Marion would be wearing Camille's hair. <laughs> That's just a funny sentence. <laughs> wearing her hair. I mean, uh, it's an interesting. Maybe I don't know. It's an it's an interesting it's an interesting question. He also thought somehow he got in your head, his head that uh, you have read the books, but that is not right. That is incorrect. Neither yeah. one of us has read the books. Uh, Aaron H. I don't know anyone else who watches sharp. Uh, I don't know anyone else who watches sharper objects. So I was relieved to see you guys recovering it. I've always had to watch something happy and frivolous afterwards because it really creeps me out. Mm-hmm. Adora's face popping out from behind the door in the bedroom scene with Camille and Ammo is like a horror movie to me. I'll wait until you see the baby face bite. <laughs> right. Did you guys watch Big Little Lies, directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, Vallée on HBO last year? Uh, Sharp Objects is basically the bastard daughter of Big Little Lies and Gone Girl. I did know that, uh, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen either of those. Uh, I didn't either, and I, I know Cecily watched it, but I just, for whatever reason, you know, the big thing is I hated Gone Girl so much that if I'd have known this was the same author before I started seeing the trailers and got mm. so excited about the trailers, I probably would have just reflect, reflexively dismissed it. Huh. Because okay. that's like, 
all the trailers looked really good and like Nicole Kidman and like I, I just can't think of all the people there's like a bunch of famous people that had a really serious pedigree I probably should have tried uh, like Big Little Lies I should have given it a chance but like it was heavily marketed as from the mind of Gone Girl and I'm a little Gone Girl was garbage mm. yeah. Gone Girl was hot garbage I didn't want any part of it so uh, maybe I don't know I, I really like this guy's direction though I feel like maybe I should give it a second chance but also, stack of television, always a mile deep. Mm-hmm. Matt from Boston. Just listening to your podcast, thought you may have missed a couple things about Kirk Lacey. When he was attempting to apologize to Camille, I believe she said, if I remember correctly, you couldn't get it up anyways, in reference to the sexual assault in her uh, on her in the woods. Also, when they were driving over to the house to watch Steel Magnolias, his car was out front, and the pregnant driver said that he had the car to compensate for something he was lacking. I believe this is relevant because the girls who were murdered were not in any way sexually abused, and the show is dropping hints that Kirk may have an issue in this area. Okay. Huh. I mean... They completely dropped that thread this episode, and there's only one left, so I don't think... I I definitely heard the, like, you couldn't get it up anyways, but I took that as, like, I don't think that excuses an attempted gang gang rape. Like, if you were participating in... No, no, no. I I think what he's trying to do is draw connections to why... Yes, no. To to him possibly being the killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other person making, like, oh, you're compensating for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. But I do think that was one of the last of the red herrings they had to dish up. And uh, I'm going to say it here. I don't think the possibility of this being a male killer is in the air anymore simply because of the type of story they're trying to tell here. Right. I think this is about the women of the town. Right. Uh, and, you know, Chief Vickers being unable to kind of see that at the beginning yeah. is is just us kind of dipping our toes in the water and getting acclimated to what yeah. this city's all about, this town. You know, it's interesting because um, it is an interesting historical fact that there's far... If, if, if you want to grant that there has been a female serial killer... Like the uh, monster, the, you know Eileen, whatever her name was. Like, there's mm-hmm. been m- remarkably few female serial killers. Okay, I've kind of wondered yeah. like why that is. I mean, I do think they're not wrong when they're talking about the statistics, right? Like, statistically, I think men do kill a lot more. They they yes. commit violent acts a lot more than yes. women do. But that's not this town. Is that, this town is very different because of the no, but, just but I'm just saying, just from here. that that biological fact or that that yeah, scientific yeah. that data driven fact, is that interesting? Is that because women are just less mm. inclined to kill people, or is it because they're physically less capable of killing? Is it because of the society's role? Is it just purely biological? Like testosterone is just crazy fuel <laughs> that pumps through you, and like I mean, and in a way the estrogen to isn't. Like I, I, I think it's 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 an interesting point. I also read a book that says that like if you counted how many like women have killed their children, like on mass, you could conceive that, uh, or women mm-hmm. who, um, like like kill elderly people, like like nurses and ER, and um, uh, intensive care wards. Like if you if you called <laughs> that serial killing, then like there's but they, they, they just. If if it's a, the, 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 that the way that manifests differently because of the physical size and strength differences between women, they're more sure, likely yeah. to take their rage out on people that they have uh, power and charge over rather than strangers. So yeah. 
I don't know. It's something uh, I think is interesting to think about. Uh, Stanislav says, as a former prosecutor, I've worked in post-conviction litigation on a man chosen by proxy case in which a woman killed one of her children was on her way to killing another when medical professionals caught on and reported her to police, launching an investigation that eventually led to her being convicted by jury of a number of charges related to the murder of one child and attempted murder of another. If you can get past the depravity of a mother doing something like this to her own children, the next most infuriating thing is that this goes on right under the nose of other family members who either refuse to see what's happening or are too impotent to do anything about it. Oh, that describes Alan to a T. Yeah. Yeah. He continues, the craven impotence of Jackie and especially Alan in the face of what they know Adora is doing to her children is almost worthy of a Nuremberg-style trial. You can probably add Vickery to the yeah. list as well, who cares more about retaining his position as chief and or his place under Adora's thumb than the safety of the people under his watch. I think pointing to Adora as the murder of the other two little girls is a red herring, though. One theory on John King's sister's killer, Ashley killed her because, one, she envied John's relationship with his sister and wanted him to herself. Two, she was furious after being bitten by her in a fight, which explains the teeth pulling to vent frustration true mm-hmm. and or three she mistakenly thought the town would shower john with sympathy attention for his lost family member making her more relevant slash popular by proxy oh i i get it there's a lot of reasons to think ashley did it and i'm not off the ashley train the thing that you said earlier though that is very confusing to me is why the fingernails why were they painted why would ashley do that did i feel like that is you i think had the right idea that that was done post fact by someone who felt guilty about it or was trying to make something right but still cover it up or i don't know i think you're right that like whoever the killer is the paint the fingernail painting was is not going to be the killer okay but yeah no this um this manchasm by proxy is just fucking (laughs) i mean what do you do because like what you, you put every every child every parent that has a sick child that comes to the hospital on trial like can you imagine the the emotional devastation to both parent and child of, like, just willy-nilly falsely accusing the people of that? Well, I mean, you look at Emma, or actually Marion's uh, chart, I guess, and she has to she uh, choose your own adventure, right? Yeah. I think once you start to see a pattern emerge of, right. like, a child with a whole lot of different illnesses that nobody can quite pinpoint, Yeah. Uh, no matter how many doctors see her, Yeah. Um, Maybe even intentionally they're not having the same doctor see her over and over so right. they won't make this connection. Right. Uh, then you can start to say, okay, something is weird here. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, bring a kid in with the flu, you mm-hmm. shouldn't immediately go, ha-ha, MVP. Yeah, right. I know. It's like, what did you give this child, you, right. you bitch? Uh, it, but, but it, yeah, it, I mean, because that's the thing. Like, this is, I mean, the vast majority of children... Uh, they might not be well cared for, but like the parents are well meaning. They love their kids. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like that's you're talking about very small percentages of people that are just this fucking crazy. But yeah. that's the thing. Like they're they use I mean, it's 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 a social engineering hack. You know, you don't feel lovable. You, f- you don't feel like people are capable. I, I, I The words of that psychologist kind of ringing in my ear. It's like, what does a person who feels like they're utterly incapable of being loved do? They force people to love them. Mm-hmm. And how do they do that? By playing this superhero, wounded mother, you know, doomed, tragic mother. Um, and, man, it's just something that feels like Camille plays so well. Or if they're Emma, they they get people to fear them. Right. You know, like she can control the boys. That's easy. But the girl, she has to make fear her. Right. Uh, yeah. It's, it's mad. fucked up. 
Uh, Saratuga. Uh, Alan didn't find it all at all odd that Adora has her little apothecary apothecary is that how you, yeah apothecary yeah. kit to mix her bitter and sweet concoctions instead of just giving Amma Advil and Pedialyte for hangovers. I mean, they have like a very Victorian yeah lifestyle. Yeah, I don't think popping a pill out of a blister pack is her style. Right. I mean, and it's a fine line, like. There's people out there that believe in homeopathic remedies, which I think mm-hmm. are, uh, I think are are not medicine. <laughs> They're not. It's not real medicine. And uh-huh. and if you give your kids that type of medicine in lieu and for serious things in lieu of real medicine, then you're probably closer to a door than you're not. But that would get a lot of people very like that. That opinion, I'm sure, would have a lot of people's blood boiling. So. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, you're talking about a town that unironically reenacts war rape. Yeah. And that's the town heroine, like, I think, and then she's boasting of her ivory fucking floors and, like, <laughs> In the, all this plantation shit. plantation house, like. Yeah, yeah. And she has a black, like, she's, this is 2018, she's got a black housemaid. Like. Right. Uh, the, 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 Alan is comfortable with a lot of weirdly ironic and paradoxical things. He has to have built a wall around the outside world and modern advancement mm-hmm. an $80,000 yes, audio Sonic wall, wall. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i i mean what are you what are you going to do and and clearly clearly he has problems with it it's just for whatever reason he can't go against adora yeah it's like it's like jackie i don't know like i i the, what how in the fuck this woman has bamboozled people into thinking that she is this 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 impressive thing i don't know uh hunkalees i don't think adora is going to end up being the actual killer and we may never find we may never find out who actually killed the girls hmm. it's one thing to slowly poison our daughters over a period of years and another thing entirely to brutally murder two others i can't see her pulling teeth or even depositing the body in the alley At the very least she had an accomplice I could see Alan being the killer and likely doing it behind Adora's back. Perhaps Adora was actually trying to help Anne and Natalie. She found two girls that actually needed her help, and Alan murdered them as an act of revenge for Adora taking away his daughters. He's also (laughs) got a ton of pent-up frustration that would probably be released by pulling some teeth. Okay, here's the thing, though. Alan's also super sexually frustrated. Uh Wouldn't there be a sexual aspect of that crime? I would guess so. I would guess so. I, I don't think Alan's a murderer. No, I think Alan at worst is complicit, (laughs) right? Complicit in these murders because he hasn't said anything. Yeah, and he knows knows about it. But I don't think he had an actual hand in the murders. Yeah, yeah. I. What if? Because here's the thing. I think your Ashley theory lines up really good for Natalie. Like you know the fact that Uh she's jealous. The fact like what the other emailer said that she wants. you know, that this make her her weird boyfriend more popular. She pulls out the teeth because don't you're gonna bite me, you bitch. But right. how does that explain Anne? Like who would yeah. is it possible that Amma killed Anne and then Ashley killed Natalie and they did it for separate reasons, but they both pulled the teeth? Yeah, that something just quite isn't quite lining up here. Hmm. Which I guess is good going into the final episode that, you know, they I do feel like, you know, that prediction I made last episode about them kind of putting all the pieces out on the table and saying, figure this out, came true. Uh, I think all the information is out there. Determining what it means Mm -hmm. is the difficult part. Mm -hmm. Hmm. 
Uh, here's a dark one. Jamie T. Uh, I have some sympathy for Jackie since I know someone who I suspect of Manchowson by proxy. Oh, fuck me. Before she had kids, she had as a time. Can I leave? Can I Can I just get out of this room can we just, while yeah, can you we, read can, this? Can, can we stop and take a shower? Yeah. Like, I feel, feel filthy. Uh, um, okay. Uh, before she had kids, she had a time when she was constantly sick and no one could figure out what was causing it. Uh, she's touchy about anyone questioning her. But yet she's in my extended family. Now that she has children of her own, the youngest is constantly sick and at several points has nearly died, alleges the mother. At one point, the vaccines nearly killed her. And at several other points, she's landed in the hospital because her immune system can't handle being exposed to colds twice in one month. Meanwhile, her husband is right there accepting all this. She has another interesting quality of talking about herself for hours. Anytime I spend with her, I know I'll get chatted up about her issues and almost never asked about mine. The difference with Jackie is that she's seen it result in one death already. That's why I guess she's turned to alcohol and drugs. She's kind of stuck. Not that I blame Camille for being angry with her. I always got an inkling that Detective Willis was into Camille more than she was into him. I thought they were being sort of casual as a sort of ego protection just in case this was a short-term thing, which sounds silly because they just met, but uh, they do have a lot of chemistry. Her sleeping with John seems or looks extremely unprofessional and makes it seem like she was being distant with Willis, not because she was being cautious, but because she was fucking him for information. So there's a hurt there, sure, uh, being used. I'm inferring that after he exposes the hurt, she realizes something she probably wasn't thinking about much because she was denying herself, the fact that he kind of likes her. I do think she responds in a very codependent way, don't think I'm bad, uh, showing a need for approval from people who kind of like her. I can't remember what he says for exactly. The slut was unfair, but the rest of what he said I thought was the truth bomb she needed to hear. Um, it's true that she seems fucked up in ways that are manifesting sexually. I can understand why it's in his vocabulary, but it feels loaded in ways she doesn't deserve. And no woman deserves. Okay. lot to unpack here, Jim. Um, I couldn't really hear the last half of that email. Because you're still thinking about I, the other thing? I am. Don't don't be a Jackie. Yeah. Don't, like. Well, here's here. I actually have an open question, like for any psychologist or law enforcement. What do you do if you suspect something like this is going on? Because it I, seems I, like if you just lob that grenade without the appropriate evidence that it could do a lot of damage. It could cause the person to be more careful. It could go underground. It could cause the child to like the person overcompensates. And with this negativity goes really ham on the child like mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and this is like the second or third email that people have kind of like said they've suspected something like this has been going on. That, and I'm like, what? What do you do? What do you do? Because this is not something like you call CPS out and they're like, yeah. shit, there's feces in here and this child's locked in the door and they've got visible bruises and scar. Like, what? What? What should one do if they're afraid that something like this is happening in their extended family or in their neighborhood? I honestly don't know. I don't know what someone should do. I can only say what I think I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would presumably, you know, there's a facility that they take their child to when they get sick. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know that I would wait for the next time that this happens because the next time might be the last time mm-hmm. uh, and not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would go to that facility and I would talk to them and say, Look anonymously. I don't. I. I don't want this to. You know, come back to the people that it involves. That I told you this, but I think this is what's going on here. I wonder. Here's a pattern I see. Can you watch out for it? I wonder if like 
well-intentioned HIPAA law would get in the way of some of that. Because, like, if you as a third par- party just came in there and want to opine about someone's medical history and how it's relevant, like, I imagine doctors and nurses might just be like, la, 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 because... Well, that, certainly they couldn't share their medical records with you. Right. But, but, would, but would, would they, they, would they make note a note that be like, someone suspects this person of being... Or maybe the doctor right. can take a... I mean, it just depends. Like, a small-time family doctor, it seems like you'd have better luck with than, yeah. like, at a busy metro sure. ER. And, like, I just don't I, I mean, that's don't that's know. what I would try. I mean, I, Cause I've I, heard, I couldn't sit back and just drink a Bloody Mary and right. live with that, I've, if, I've heard, especially if something truly bad I've happen. heard, like, in instances of actual neglect and abuse, it's surprisingly hard to get the system to actually st- to, to step in and, and take yeah. the children away. This has got to be an order of magnitude more difficult. So, yeah, yeah and, if anyone and, knows, like, if anyone has, like, the thing you're supposed to do, I would like to hear it myself because it seems like it's I, something. How about this? Take that number that they list at the end of the fucking the episode and, and call that and yeah, see what just, they would yeah. say. Hmm, that's an interesting one, too. Because they might have some good advice or, right. or at least some, some doctors and lawyers on staff. Most state bar associations um, sponsor a legal helpline. Like, once a week you can call in and yeah, get, yeah. like, free legal advice. That might be another one that, like, of course, you know, the advice you'd get is probably, like, talk to an actual lawyer or call the police or call 911. Right. Or, they're they're more about CYA than they are right exactly which that's what I'm saying like this the whole society seem that's why this man and by proxy is so insidious because the state presumes that the the parent has is, is extremely deferential to the parents in and what they want to do with their child and how they treat them and all that stuff like think about like the wide range of acceptable behaviors like you can spank children or you can not spank children you can send yeah. children to the bed without food how many days in a row can you do that like right you know uh, there's a, unfortunately a lot of fucking latitude that that parents have i mean not unfortunately it's fortunate no, i would hate yeah. i would hate for a bunch of christians coming in my house and say that i have to teach my kid about jesus you know right. like i i do appreciate that i am I do have autonomy and authority within my house to teach my my child and 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 as as i as i see best but it's always a draw there's always drawbacks right mm-hmm. um take the good with the bad to absolute freedoms uh hit my from the forums i think the implicit parallel jackie draws between the bloody mary and the blue is interesting yeah i picked up on this too yeah for once camille seems to be utterly uninterested in gulping down any booze at hand my feeling here is that this is related to her dawning realization on the demise of her sister and therefore has a, a source of action uh by confronting adora however camille does drink when commanded to with jackie comments on something along the lines of when you drink you're told it gets easier yeah uh, I think we're led to believe that much to Adora's frustration, Camille never submitted to Adora's poisonous administrations. However, Camille has been poisoning and harming herself. Kind of be disappointed if the finale had Camille subjecting herself to Adora. I'd like to see Adora and Alan go down in flames, but there's something of a thread there, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's the irony that, like, Camille avoided being poisoned, but has <laughs> essentially a poisoned and abused her body ever since. And as look at a Jackie, reaction. right? Oh, Jesus, yeah. Just, just enough stoli to make your stomach bleed. <laughs> right, right. Um, okay. Michelle from the forums. Am I the only one who thought it was kind of interesting, or thought the interaction between Camille and Willis after his reaction to catching Camille in the hotel room with John was a bit too much? Um, no, like, and she says she begs and pleads with him like they've been in a long-term serious relationship when they've only basically been hooking up and really hasn't been that long since they started. Mm-hmm. Codependence or sloppy writing? 
I, well, I mean, I would like to have a wrap-up podcast where we invite the people that's read the books to tell us what has been changed because, like, it 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 occurred to me when I watched the making of the um, the episode about the Calhoun Day mm-hmm. that there's a lot that they've changed. Like that that whole set piece episode wasn't in the books, right? So. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of things that they, you know, that like like this is a, essentially a second draft, a better draft of the book. You would hope, right? The adaptation, sure. especially when it's eight hours, like it probably can do justice to material. Any change they mean would be to like sharpen it up. So I did feel like I guess Camille, it, it makes sense. All of her reactions made sense, but I thought Richard was a bit of a prick. But then again, like, <laughs> is that an average man's reaction? Like it wouldn't be my reaction, but I I feel like I've I've spent a lot of time thinking about women's issues and how men and women interact, and you know, kicking a person when they're that far down seemed like you know I, I it'd be hard to dismiss all your emotion. But again, like what the hell was Richard thinking? Yeah, I mean Michelle's it's, right it's on. Certainly wouldn't be my reaction either. But this, this was a hookup, you know? Yeah, and a kind of a cynical hookup. That's if it turned into something more great, but like it's still in the process of metamorphosizing maybe Mm -hmm. so there's been no rings exchange there's been no vows i don't know um she also says it does make sense to her that camille and john would eventually hooked up they make way more sense even after if they all they ever do is hook up the one time than she and willis ever did they're two damaged broken people who feel isolated in a small town they're bound to inevitably grow closer even it's only as a really good friend do you i mean i don't know i i I agree with that largely i mean I think those types of people are definitely attracted to each other and can probably help each other. Yeah, I wonder how I'd feel about Camille and John like making a go of it. After this incident? Well, it'd be a fucked up way to start things, but... Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, I think the relationship, uh, whatever it could be in the future, would have started could have started much better than it did. Hmm. Uh, hooking up in a hotel room drunkenly... I don't think is the way to start a healthy relationship, but hmm. you no. know, I'm not saying that one can't come out of it, Yeah, but it's just not a great kickstart. Right. Uh, Sean D., while digging around a bit about the show, I happened upon a roundtable discussion with uh, Gillian Flint. Gillian? I think it's Gillian. I don't... I, yeah, I never know when it's the hard or the soft G. Gillian, yeah. uh, you said? That's what I would say. Gillian Flynn, Patricia Clarkson, and Chris Messina. It's hosted by Adam uh, Kempinar of the Film Spotting Podcast and Chicago Film Critics Association. It was evidently held after the premiere of episode two. There's two interesting things of note. One, Gillian Flynn used a cherry metaphor to describe the writing of the novel. She said that she decided what she needed is to couch the story of her troubled, alcoholic, self-cutting, psychologically disturbed female character in something juicy and consumable like a murder mystery. So there's an in-universe use of the cherry imagery as well as a metaphorical one. Uh, It also turns out that HBO did not give out any screeners for episode eight. I'm hoping that this will be indicative of how crazy the finale will be. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, that is something that I kind of intuitively felt through the course of this season. Like the the cherry veneer was coming off. You know, the outer flesh was coming off, and now we're at the pit. Right. Because Dora's mansion. I've seen this kind of story a billion times before like the bone collector right you know yeah. uh the the, the 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 you know these heart of darkness kind of crime stories journalists investigating the police oh how mm-hmm. the, but like this 
was and to the point that we're like I don't if they don't solve uh, Natalie and Anna's uh, and Anne's disappearance I don't know that I'm going to get that upset about it yeah I'm actually with you on that because to me the much more interesting thing is this family dynamic and the person the, the whatever personal salvation Camille can find in confronting that because mm-hmm. you know that is that's that's super interesting like like a journalist just investigating something that has no relation to her and just just passionately getting at the truth that's one thing but someone that's slaying a demon that uh like like when it turns out they're from hell and their dad was lucifer and their mother was <laughs> lilith that's like super interesting and something i haven't seen much before especially in usually when it's something like that it is like a a real like there's a goblin king, or like David Bowie as a goblin king. Like there's not usually this like gritty realism. I don't know. I like I said, I I've rarely seen something that was this brutal and this real, and where the murder mystery that's usually the main point is like the C plot in any given week at best. Yeah. So I don't know. It's gonna like I I guess the only thing that would screw up the last episode would be like something like really artificial and saccharine. Okay. Um, can you believe we still have a whole other show to talk about, Jim? Yeah, when are we going to do that? Right now. <laughs> oh, okay. Before we switch to feedback, I want to talk about the club. Uh, club.baldmove.com is a great way to support your independent podcasters here, Jim and Aaron, uh, myself and my partner here. But also you get a lot of cool stuff for yourself. You get extra bonus content features, both audio and visual and format. Uh, we got weekly shows like Lunch with Jim and Aaron. We've got we're about ready to start a season of Empire Podcast, which offers deep dives of behind the scene details of Bald Move, our financial operations, uh, advertising, plans for the future, that kind of stuff. Uh, you can go to club.baldmove.com to get a sampling of all these features. We have like you know ones that we've got public facing that you can just try before you buy. And as always, there's a 30 day free trial for signing up at club.baldmove.com. Um, okay, let's let's talk about Castle Rock. All so right. last time we talked, we'd seen the first couple episodes. First three I had seen. Now I've seen six. Now we've seen this. We've we've caught up up until mm-hmm. tonight when they're going to release a new one. Um, and I gotta say, uh, I'm liking it and I'm enjoying it. But I feel like the show is like eighty percent excellent and like twenty percent slightly too ridiculous for me. Okay, I'm interested to hear what the ridiculous parts are for you because I have I, some in mind. I actually find Bill Skarsgård, the child, whatever the boy, whatever uh, you're calling him, uh-huh, the um, thirty year old boy, he looks goofy to me. <laughs> okay. Not scared. like when he's I just don't. like when he's like standing there with his shoulders at forirty five degree angles and those like a, a a ill fitting suit, suit. That's too, yeah. He and he's just kinda like hanging out, looking in a window. Like it doesn't read scary. It looks ridiculous. See it I found I, find, I found it creepy. Uh, I can see why you might find it ridiculous. Like the moon, like did, you, did you see uh, Gerald's game on Netflix? Did we yeah, talk about that? I did. Like that Moonlight Man? Creepy. Yeah, very creepy. Bill Skarsgard I look like I look like I look like I caught Goofy with his head off at at, <laughs> at Walt Disney World. Like I turned the right. wrong alley in Epcot, and like Goofy's got his head off, and he's smoking in an alley. Mm-hmm. Not scary, just Goofy and weird. Literally right. Goofy. <laughs> and it's like to me, to me that I I've already I've already dismissed as ridiculous and impossible the core premise that this boy is evil, because. Whenever, like, like, there's this scene where the assistant warden came down there, like, after he had killed the neo-Nazi with his mind or whatever the fuck happened. Mm-hmm. 
um, where he was like talking some shit about him and saying like you know what's your name and the kids started quoting this where I think people might think it's satanic imagery but it's actually how the book of Revelation describes Jesus Christ hmm. okay um, with you know and to me as soon as I saw that scene it's like well this is you're they're they're wanting you to think that this boy is evil but I actually think that he is some kind of fundamental like John Coffey esque from uh the the green mile genuine source of good in like the town you think henry might be the evil one that would be interesting polarity like he's actually the right. devil child and and that would be why you know jesus is saying his name here <laughs> like yeah it's not because he wants you know he he wants to kill this guy or anything right. or maybe he does but it's not because of the, you know he's this good guys because he's because i guess i think about the like bill skarsgård character like he yeah. has been present for a lot of heinous shit like the one time Very where he, he broke into the family's house and that did seem supernatural because they're all celebrating a birthday and everything was nice and happy and then it just slowly yeah. goes ape shit and wrong but which i read is him causing it to go wrong well i think you're supposed to but the his personal reaction to it didn't seem like that and like the only time that the show has directly asserted someone's caused someone to do something else it was molly under the influence of henry that killed her dad Mm -hmm. uh killed his dad and we're also found that the like i was kind of open to like maybe henry's dad is in some kind of fucking cult which i guess he kind of is with this whole schema the schisma schisma stuff but Mm -hmm. like that seemed more of a benevolent thing and then henry killing his dad for exploring it that seems evil it's possible yeah i mean that's kind of the reason why i even suggested that idea that henry might be evil uh because he can't remember the things that he's done right the woman who can read his mind read his feelings Mm -hmm. uh she seems to think that he has done some very bad things or at least wanted his father dead for what reason we don't really know right um it's the show is kind of implying that his dad was you know doing bad things to henry but what if that's not the case right what if maybe he was doing something like you said exploring the schisma and that's a good thing and henry wanted to stop it because he's evil right that's potential yeah but here's the other thing and this is the world building aspect i alluded to in the last podcast the way the prison warden treated the Bill Skarsgård scandal was utterly unrealistic. Like, Trying this is a woman up. who just took over a prison where the warden killed himself in creepy, mysterious circumstances. Finding this guy down there should have been like, holy shit, this guy was super fucking crazy. This yeah, is a... Pin this it all is, on Lacey. Th- yeah, yeah, like you, like yes, this yeah. is a PR coup, and I'm. So we are going to fully investigate this and get to like, how in the world would she lose her job over that or any like, maybe the town being evil caused her to do that, but it just it just seemed like a bunch of weird bureaucrat or bureaucratic cover up when there was none necessary. You're covering up a crime that the other guy committed, and he's committed suicide. Yeah, so like pin everything on him. Pin the so. shortage of beds. Pin the 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 boy being illegally confined. Do it all. Like I, the whole time I'm watching this this horseshit scandal unfold, I'm like, this is stupid. This is being made worse for no discernible reason I can tell, and it doesn't feel like something a ambitious politician, which is what this warden is, 
would actually do in this circumstance. Yeah, I do feel like there's also a nugget there that they could have kind of explored of like these privatized prisons, right? Yes. Because that's what this is. Right, yeah. M- maybe, you know, m- maybe they pursue that angle and say, oh, because, you know, we're running this as a profit, if this gets out, we could have to shut down the whole prison because of it. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter that the guy's dead. It's going to be the public reaction to it mm-hmm. might cause it to shut down, and we can't afford that. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really pursue that angle. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. I think there wasn't a huge reason for her to cover it up. Um. Now, so those are like essentially those are the twenty percent of the things that bug me. The fact that Bill Skarsgård just, I mean, and the thing <laughs> is, I... in Stephen King's it, he's terrifying. Like it's not uh-huh. that he, it's just. His affect and the way they film him and the two large clothes and just the fact that he's just got these <laughs> like you know, I, I, that's not working in that those aspects of the will, world everything in the prison and the cover up and like the extreme lengths they went to just not you know to get around habeas uh, habeas corpus like it just felt like that ah, didn't feel real. No, I mean I'm I not, like almost everything else. I'm not scared of Steve Buscemi or John Mayer either. <laughs> uh, can I tell you the part that I thought was ridiculous? Yes, please. The sign language that that the magical black man in in so yet Steve's, another Stephen King story is using, yeah, um, uh, and the interpretation of that sign language. Like I don't know how you get quantum substrate physics bullshit from him waving his fingers uh, in in what looks to me to be very very similar, if not identical, gestures through most of this conversation. And this kid is just rattling off a string of technical jargon. I mean, so I, 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 I thought that scene was pretty effective at selling some crazy shit. I did uh, too, and I didn't. I didn't pick up on the fact that it is arguably a magical black man, which is yeah. not yeah. exactly Stephen King's most attractive trope. <laughs> sure, um, but I will say that, like, you know, having more than passing familiarity with sign language community, living next to a deaf neighbor, mm-hmm. and being friends with people that were deaf, uh, uh, deaf sign language missionaries, uh, that sign language is surprisingly. I don't. I don't. I don't want to say it's a, like a pigeon version of English because, mm-hmm. like that, that 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 seems like diminished. But it's you're like not expressing a very, words. You're expressing ideas. It's a, it's a very it. chopped down. So, yeah. like, if someone told me that, like, wiggling your fingers like this meant quantum subspace foam. It but wouldn't. it seems to mean something different every single time, and there's no. So you were actually like, paying I'm watching attention. It. Yeah, I'm watching this man. I was do his thing, yeah. and it looks like the gestures he's making are identical, and yet they're somehow reading as different to this interpreter. And I yeah. don't, I don't know if that's because they have this very intimate relationship. Maybe this is something they plan. You know, this is the speech. I'm going to be doing these crazy right. gestures. They're not going to mean anything, but you say this thing. Right. Or we know, like, instead of, because like, there is no ASL version of quantum subspace foam, instead of me spelling out right. quantum subspace foam, this is our word for, um, I, yeah, like, I, I was caught up in the guy's performance because... There are a couple of things in there that are fucking creepy. Like, the idea that this guy's deafened himself to, uh-huh. to uh, give him the purity of the signal reception and... Like, I got, like, I love the whole anechoic chamber uh, yeah. because those things are fucking weird. Um, and Yeah, it just feels wrong when you're in one of those. Yeah, we went into one, like, a place that I worked at used to have this big anechoic chamber mm-hmm. that it was at the RCA building in Indianapolis. And I wasn't supposed to be there, but I was. Uh, and it's like this, like, 30 by 30 room that was suspended, like a, a metal grate floor that was suspended about six foot 
above this this foam fiberglass pyramidal structure yeah, and it looked you, exactly like that room when you it's like a large scale version and when you went yeah. in there and shut the door it's like i can't describe it the air just changed like you yeah. are you really you really don't realize how much you depend on sound bouncing around to like be in a place and also like um, the other thing and ha- is, and how even when you think something is dead quiet, mm-hmm. there's still so much vibration and and just things going on around you. Yeah, and or when you eliminate all that, it feels you wrong. can hear the blood rushing in your ears. Like uh-huh. there's a lot of other things. And the other thing that I th- thought was interesting is like this spring, I had like a two or three week period where I had a pretty intense ring in my left ear, the schisma, yeah. and I started thinking like shit, this because I I you know I've read I've I've read things where that I can literally drive you crazy like a persistent tendonitis or really bad tendonitis like it's it's a condition and i was like starting to be like fuck is this you know the re-? and it just largely seemed to have like gone away on its own but like <laughs> it would wake me up it would make it hard to sleep um and like the idea that like this is something that is is like the universe trying to tell you something i thought it was a really cool concept no i'm very excited to see where they go with this and constructing an anechoic chamber to like improve your reception or deafening mm-hmm. yourself like that that's that's like a cool little sci-fi cult detail like like this when i i, I loved it like when this guy's like prepping the thing and you know uh uh he, he's tra- getting to his explanation and uh uh uh, Andre, what, what's the guy's the name? Uh, Henry, Henry Deaver, yeah. is like, are you trying to tell me that God is talking? He's like, I'm a research scientist. Like, <laughs> right, no. I have degrees. Yeah, a, like, yeah. get the fuck out of here with that. And he went on this, like, science explanation. I, I eat shit like that up. Sure. I thought that was really cool. No, I, I like that a lot. And the performance aspect of it, like, you know, because I, I, I watched it behind the scenes, and this guy is actually a deaf actor, and mm-hmm. he was, like, doing, like, all this emoting and whatnot. I actually thought it was super cool i wasn't tuned into the the schisma that was driving you crazy but no i i think the what seemed to me obviously fake sign language uh was the only thing that was silly about that scene everything else i loved increasingly it does feel like castle rock is the result of stephen king watching fargo and be like well shit i can do this i got a universe bigger than that i can remix the shit out of my own stuff because like there is like this this stuff going on between Henry and Molly is just straight up shining, and, uh, and they make some references to a crazed dog like Cujo yep, and like yeah yep. There's a crazed dog that mayor. There's also and the things dog don't, don't stay, stay dead. dead. Here. There's pet yeah, cemetery. Pet like mm-hmm. all we need a uh, telekinetic teenager that sets people on fire with her mind, <laughs> and we need a ghost there, yeah. car. And we are <laughs> we are we are pretty much we got the full house. We got the royal flush, right. the royal king flush. There's also like uh, the blonde real estate assistant. Um, mm-hmm. Her name is Jackie uh, Terrence, which oh. is a reference to Tor- Torrance. Torrance, which is a reference to the Torrance family in the, Sh- the Shining. Okay, but also there was like, did you get the thing like, well, that's not my real name. I just adopted it to irritate my parents because I took the name huh. of a serial killer or a killer who took his family off to a lodge and killed them that one time. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, I like, did hear that. They're actually living in the universe. They're actually living in Stephen King's universe. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So. Like, is this actually going to be a prequel of sorts to, like, some story like The Shining or Coot? Or is it, I guess, a sequel? Are we going to meet any actual characters? Is the is the it phenomenon, you know, like this this malevolent uh-huh. force, is this, is, this, is this a town where 
it shoved off when the children vanquished it that one time. I mean... Henry's going to go drive out of town. He's going to crash into the dome. Right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be... Right. It's going to be just it's a gonna whole be, remake. The, someone's going to go on a long walk. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. No, that'll be... that'll be uh, The Bachman books will be in another separate remake series. Yeah. Uh, called Bachman Rock. Uh, I do wonder if they're going to make this more of an anthology where they tell a different story every time, every season, or if this is going to be an ongoing concern like the schisma. And and I want to talk about the stuff that is happening with Ruth too, but what do you think as far as anthology? I don't know. It's been renewed for season two. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and I was actually kind of surprised. I thought this might be a Sharp Objects one and done. Um, yeah. I don't know because... Like, my my only experience with anthologies essentially are True Detective and American Horror Story. And uh, American Horror Story is now folding in on itself where they're, I think, cheating some way and that they are trying to draw connections between the different seasons and making it part of a gotcha. cohesive universe. I'm like, well, what the fuck is the point of an anthology then? So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess... I do feel like they're setting up a lot with only you know 10 episodes in the season yeah setting up a lot to resolve it by the end of this right um and maybe that's the thing maybe you don't have to maybe you can do an anthology there's a lot of unsatisfying endings of stephen king's like where it's like you it's it's kind of lovecraftian and that you don't really you survive what happened but there's no (laughs) answers and there's no surety that it's not going to happen again and if the schisma is like this pervasive force you could have that come back in future seasons Mm -hmm even if it is an anthology, right? Different events are happening in a different place, but right. they could be these connected. overarching yeah, concepts are still there. Just like this seemed like there is a... I think you'd, I'd have to ask your girlfriend, but like there is a movement that like all of Stephen King's works are related in some way. Yeah, I don't know enough about it. Like uh, there are some like these like archetypal, like like whatever is the spirit that's behind it is like a universal, like kind of a devil creature. And there's like the cosmic turtle that's in that and I think is in the hmm. Dark Tower and that you can understand all these other like unconnected stories being kind of like the way that this struggle of good and evil is filtering through this particular location and time. Yeah. Um, so like so it might feel very yeah. anthology. Yeah, but I, you know, the thing is, is like, there's no, I don't, I won't believe in a million for any amount of money that Stephen King intended that. It might be something that he retroactively yeah. and is now like starting to draw connections, but like, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know if that gives you, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I guess I would rather it be like a Stranger Things thing where it's, 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 it's not an anthology, it's just a story that they're telling. Okay. Um, but yeah, what do they do if you've got like a Antichrist and Christ figure? Do they just survive the whole series and continually struggle? Does one of them die at the end of this season? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you've already got so much um, so much revisiting past. Like, I feel like I've seen certain scenes three or four times because you see them from slightly different perspectives or, you know, with the, with the hindsight of, of new inf- of, of, of information, you can see it from a different perspective. That like it'd be feel really weird if they keep doing that season after season. Like the thing might just fold in on itself. I don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know how gripped I am by the show. Okay, like I still am waiting for like episode four of True Detective, where it's like I'm digging the vibe, but like why is this like something I have to see? I you know I need a. I, I, and and I was just—it's funny because before uh, we sat down to record this episode, I was reading 
some articles, and they it seems like that tonight's episode is going to kick off a, of, of a run, according to critics who have seen it, that's going to like justify the entire series being. Hmm. So if you okay. thought it's a pretty good show, mm-hmm. at least watch the next two to like see if that puts an exclamation point on it. <laughs> that's where I am. The it's, show's got moxie, I'm telling you. Right now it's a pretty good show to me. Right, but it needs something else to take it into yeah. where I would consider justifying further podcast coverage on it. And I do think there's a lot of potential there that schisma stuff. I want to talk about Ruth because... I do like the schisma stuff. She is experiencing... That's Henry's mother? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Sissy Spacek. Uh, she's being portrayed as a woman who has some mental issues, right? Some yes. mental degradation mm-hmm. of some kind. Yep. Uh, and it's causing her to jumble her memories up. I would assume it's like an Alzheimer's kind of thing. Yeah. Where, you know, you're you're not present in your present. You're present right. in another present. Right. A past or a future. Um, and she is describing it in a way that makes it feel like she is sort of unstuck in time. Like when they're playing this chess game with, yeah. with Henry's kid. Uh-huh. Do you think... It, it, there are two ways to look at this. One is that's a reflection of her mental illness, uh manifesting as her just jumbling her memories Mm -hmm. the other way to look at it is her apparent mental illness is a reflection of her actually being unstuck in time and experiencing different things and she's not mentally degrading she's actually just not where she is in the time traveler's wife where it's just like yeah you're you're living it out of out of order out of perspective i like that i like also her coping mechanism of like placing the uh strategically placing the chess set like in the freezer and whatnot because that's a reminder of like oh i'm actually in the now time i'm not in a memory or something that doesn't i mean i guess i guess you know in her lucid moments that seems like something a person with a mental illness would do right or could do right uh but yeah i i just wonder which angle to view that from i don't know because like there's also this like her staying with the conviction that i need a system i need a system like what caused her to jump off that bridge Good like question. the dog barking, there's a little cujo there. Yeah. Um but but yeah, what what caused that? And also does it bother you that Scott Glenn is essentially playing <laughs> Garvey? Uh-huh, Kevin Garvey Sr. Like he's kept like he, yeah. like that I mean, again, <laughs> he is you know, I don't, I don't like it, you know, whatever. Yeah, you dude, you're like in your late 70s, yeah. you like it's like and someone says, I want you to do this character, and you just come in and do it, then why not? It's a good, it's a great character. It's a great character. It is, yeah. He's um, foul-mouthed. He's... But it is exactly that character. It it's really not is. even like a, uh, you know, uh, Margot Martindale, where she had a particular way of being Mags Bennett, and then mm-hmm. she had a similar energy she brought to the Americans, but they're not literally the same role. Right. And she... This feels like it's exactly the same role. He's muttering to himself. He's foul-mouthed. He's un- living unconventional life. Um, it's distracting because I loved The Leftovers so much that seeing him, it just feels like someone dipped some Damon Lindelof into their king, mm-hmm. and it's confusing to me. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. He's he's the oldest man working mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> by, by a long shot. 
Uh, I don't know. Got, Anthony Hopkins got, would have something to say about that. He's got 20 years of, of visible aging. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Of visible aging. I'm not talking about how many years think, he's actually spent he's on this planet. Lot, he's put more miles on his tires than Sir yeah. Anthony, for sure. <laughs> I mean, Maybe his cells feel yeah. the age that he looks, and yeah. it's much older than anyone else. Yeah, but he's a fascinating character, too, because much like uh, Garvey Sr., he's not entirely sure that he's on the side of the angels. Yeah. You know, like, he has some doubts about, like, mate, was did I save the town or did I just imprison a child and also why mm-hmm. have you not aged yeah that's the other thing that, that they, I'm glad they, they cleared that up yes yeah. yes yes because I thought that maybe he went in as like a three year old uh-huh. and now he's Bill Skarsgård but you know they keep on calling the boy Bill Skarsgård does not seem like a boy to me no he seems at least like late 20s yeah yeah and or he's like massive he's 6'4 six, 6'5 yeah. Like like uh I but yeah I, I I he's an interesting character but it's so distracting that he's literally like his character from the leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we want to? Uh, what about the security guard killing spree? Did you what do you think of that? Because because he's going through and he's killing and maybe this can lend some support to the idea that Henry might be evil because he's going through and he's killing all the evil people right who are doing the bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, all the security guards who are abusing prisoners. He goes through, he kills them. He gets to Henry who he's going to kill, but he's stopped. Uh, do you think he knows something about Henry, or do you think he's maybe mislabeling Henry as the bad guy simply because he That's a good question. Help? Because the other thing is, like, uh, he it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. He saw that vision of that happening, and then he went out and investigated and almost killed the guy, and then, what, was it two episodes later, he actually did it? Right. I don't know that I have a strong opinion on that because it could be because that's another you know like we talk about in sharp objects that's another like potential red herring the fact that he's mm-hmm. was he coming there to kill Henry or did Henry just happen to be in the room because the other thing is like well he drew the smiley face or he drew the X yeah over Henry's camera where he was sitting so yeah I think yeah. he intended to kill Henry but the, what does that mean like because like what is it means he what he, is Bill Skarsgård opinion about Henry I don't know. The guy doesn't say anything. <laughs> I know, right? I have no idea what Bill Skarsgård thinks about anything. Yeah. Is he actually helping Scott Glenn do do what he wants to do, help his help his wife? I thought I it was interesting so. how, like, when the realtor's assistant went in and she finds Bill Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård just completely naked. I'm like, well, and this is going to... she fucks him. Uh, yeah. Why? Th- wait, did, did... Yeah, she did. I think she fucks him, yeah. Did she? Because... I think she fucked him. Hmm. I don't. I don't know if. Why I, would you? I, I don't. I don't know. Okay, let, let's like, just like go take by him, take him or like taking his weirdo, like the six foot four weirdo around in your car. And yes, let's just weed. go by what we see on the screen. She does that with him. That's a line too far. That's just weird. Sure. Yeah. I don't know why you find this guy naked yeah. that Molly is like putting up in her real estate <laughs> development. I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know that 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 is that is bizarre. She's just a wild child of this town. But I don't know. Since Henry getting locked in a coic chamber is kind of the cliffhanger. Like, I uh-huh. don't know. I mean, I guess we'll know. I, I feel like we'll have to know whether he's good or bad over the next stretch of episodes. I don't. Yeah. Man, it would be. I have a lot of affection for Andre Holland. And I guess, like, I don't want him to think that he's bad just because he is the good guy in almost everything I've ever seen him in. And he's so, hmm. like, quiet and intense. and But also. They also show him as, like, being kind of selfish. Like, I think that I understand why he thought Scott Glenn was up to no good. But, like, we've seen a lot more information since then where it seems like uh, Sheriff Poontang or what? 
Poonfang. What what is his name? It's like some kind of crazy ass thing. Painfang or something. Like I I do feel like he really cares for his mother and Mm -hmm. is looking out after her. And there's like some really really sweet tender scenes that even Henry sees when he's like reevaluating. Like Mm -hmm. um, and also like maybe it's Fanghorn, right? I don't know, man. Uh, the, the the callous way in which he treated his father maybe is justified if his father's a real piece of shit or is, like, worshipping some cosmic devil cult. So, like, you mm-hmm. know, that seemed callous. Like, oh, we'll just move his... Like, move the... Where the hell did they move those bodies to? Like, it's in the middle of a fucking crater. Yeah, no, it, that didn't look like a cemetery to me. No, it looked like they dug, and then they dug him, and they are going to bury it. Like, there was where... Uh, I don't know. It's so weird. And the whole yeah. exploding casket, the casket oh. syndrome was really mm-hmm. disgusting. What the hell was going on with that? Yeah, Ken Cosgrove did not like that. No, maybe his dad is the <laughs> devil. Yeah? Yeah. And... Yeah, Ken Cosgrove, you're right. That dude is yeah, Ken Cosgrove. from Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like I said, I'm I actually I'm gonna I'm gonna wait I'm gonna let to see how the next two episodes hit me because I might not be interested in continuing talking about this show. All right, like, I'm liking it, but I I'm not liking it enough to like form strong opinions and have a lot of interesting things to talk about. Um, gotcha. And that is our Bald Move TV podcast for this week. Uh, send in that feedback to TV at baldmove.com if you got it. We will be back for the finale episode next week. And maybe the week after that, we'll do a, potentially the last Castle Rock roundup, or maybe it'll kick into the super passionate high gear coverage. I don't know. Uh, but either way, we'll be back next week with the final episode of Sharp Objects. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.